Welcome to Coffee, Tea or Something Stronger, the podcast for anyone who writes. At Coffee, Tea or Something Stronger, we recognise that you're not just one kind of writer. Perhaps you're banging out a novel between copywriting gigs, or maybe you're a blogger with a sideline in poetry. Whatever type or types of writing you do, our goal at Coffee, Tea or Something Stronger is to give you the shot of inspiration you need to finish that novel, submit that thesis, or launch that freelance career. I'm your host, Claire Lynch, and in this episode, I talk to Tom Albrighton of ABC Copywriting. Tom's been a professional copywriter for over 12 years, and in this episode, Tom and I chatted over Skype about the challenges, rewards, pleasures, and pitfalls of B2B copywriting. That's coming right up. Thank you so much for joining us today, Tom. No problem. Happy to be here. Can you start by um, just introducing yourself, just telling me a little bit about um, how you got into copywriting? Yeah, sure. Um, I've been a freelance copywriter for, um, well, let's say over 10 years. I think it's 12 or 13 years now. Um, Before that, I worked in publishing. Um, I worked for a trade publisher doing non-fiction travel guides. And then I worked in a small agency that did a lot of work for the public sector. Mm -hmm. Um, Got made redundant from there and thought I would give freelancing a go. Um, And in the early days, I didn't really know what to call myself. Um, My job title had always been editor. um, But I realized that people probably would want me to write things more than edit them. Um, And after a while, I thought, well, everyone seems to say they're a copywriter, so I guess I'm a copywriter, and I was doing more and more work for businesses. Um, So, yeah, that was how I became a copywriter. So how did you go about getting that initial work? Um, Well, it's really funny looking back, isn't it? I don't know. I think everyone who does this sort of doesn't quite know how they bootstrap themselves into freelancing because before you do it well before I did it anyway I always thought well how do you get from being employed to being a successful freelancer I just couldn't see how you how you actually did that it was a combination of contacts that I'd had from my salaried life um, and some putting my name about locally Um, I did some SEO um, to make myself um, a bit more visible on the web Um, And it was just a combination of those things, really. But it's quite hard in retrospect to tell how it happened. And um, certainly at the time um, that I started out, I didn't really have any idea how it was all going to come together into a a freelance job. I think I think being freelance, you have to uh, certain some people take to it and some people don't. And I think part of taking to it is being able to cope with that uncertainty and not knowing where your next paycheck's coming from and just just accepting that it will yeah absolutely um i work very short term compared to some people that i know and that i see online who are talking about oh i'm booked up for the next two or two months or six months or something like that i'm always busy um but i don't really know what i'm doing more than about two or three weeks out um and i do a lot of urgent things a lot of short-term things so, yeah, it's quite often just a case of going along sort of happily thinking, la, 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 some work will arrive um, and I'll be OK, which is a bizarre way to live, really, compared to having a secure um, salaried life. But as you say, if you can get used to it and it suits you, then it's fine. Yeah. So on the on the topic of the work you do, can you maybe tell me a little bit about the sort of clients you deal with, the sorts of problems they come to you with? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, as I said, I call myself a copywriter, even though I used to be um, an editor originally. And actually, I still do quite a lot of editing. Um, well, I, for commercial clients, I don't really distinguish between editing and writing. You know, they just need they need the words sorted out and I'll do whatever's required. Yeah. But I also do editing for academic clients around the world, mm -hmm. um, mostly in the field of business and management. So that's actually quite a big part of my work, but not really what you would call copywriting as such. Mm -hmm. um, on the copywriting side, my because I came from trade publishing, nonfiction publishing, um, my comfort zone is B2B mm -hmm. and longer copy. So I'm much more in the realm of um, white papers, articles, longer B2B websites, all that sort of thing, rather than the very short, very creative B2C work. I mean, I love doing that kind of work, but um, I just haven't been asked to do it very much. And the longer you go on, you know, the less you look like someone who can actually do that. So mm -hmm. um, I've ended up more a B2B long copy guy, which is absolutely fine. You know, that's that's not a problem for me at all. And actually, um, I think that can be just as creative in some respects when you've got yeah, some absolutely. awful piece of really technical insider jargon that you have to make appealing to to a layperson or to the customer. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it's much harder to make, um, I don't know, LEDs interesting than orangeade interesting, yes. arguably. Yes. Later in the interview, I, I want to talk about your new book that you've uh, recently published. Um, but in the meantime, I want, I want to quote a line from it. In the book, you say, copywriting is challenging, uh, but it's also fun, varied and massively rewarding. Uh, could you maybe expand on that? Um, what do you see as the challenges of the job? And also on the flip side, what are the rewards? Um, well, as I say in the book, I think the challenges are just finding um, the right way to say something, um, finding the right way to put the personality of a brand into words, um, just finding, getting things in the right order sometimes can be can be difficult. You know, it might not be very creative what you need to do, but just getting the right structure, getting the right flow. Um, these are all things that I'd look at in the book. Um, getting the pace right, um, that can be difficult. You know, you've got too many things in one part, not, not enough pieces in another. Um, so all those things are just the challenge of, of bringing copy together. And I think everybody has a different way of doing that. Um, some people like to plan and think about it a lot before. Um, others just like to dive in there and start fiddling about. And yeah. that tends to be my, tends to be my approach, to be yeah. honest. Um, and yeah, the rewards are just, if you can do that successfully, then you can, especially in B2B, I think, you can articulate the ideas that really drive a business. So you can give form to the value proposition of a business, you know, the central ideas that really um, take a business forward or take one of its products forward. Um, things that business owners and managers know but just can't quite express. And if they can't express them, then they can't really act on them, you know, mm -hmm. unless you can put these ideas into words then you can't use them to add value in your business. So potentially the copywriter or the or just the writer is helping a business actually uh, become itself and make progress, and that's quite exciting. Yeah, I mean, I, I find it very, very satisfying as well. How, how easy do you find it 
to to get your clients and, and, and potential clients to see the value of what you bring to the table? Um, well, it's difficult sometimes if people have never used a writer at all um, for them to appreciate what you can do for them. Uh, I guess that might be an argument for giving them a sample, though I wouldn't probably wouldn't suggest that. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's difficult. I, I think in my experience, most of my favourite clients have been the ones who come to me knowing that they really can't do it and they really need help. Um, and they appreciate that this is something that has to come from outside. So they're not just delegating the writing job. I mean, sometimes people say that. They say, oh, I need need someone to help me write this. I just haven't got the time. Um, and you and you think, well, yeah, I think there's, there's maybe a little bit more to it than that. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm, I'm going to be looking at this from a completely different angle yeah. than you are. You know, this might yeah. be an idea that you've sat with for a year or five years or a product that's been in development for years. Um, you've got far too close to it. You've gone completely native. You've got no sense of how this is going to look to an outsider. Um, and I think if you do that a few times, then people start to appreciate what it is that you do. So just the other day, one of my um, major clients gave me the pitch that they always give to new customers mm-hmm. and said, and, and they wanted me to, you know, role play a new customer and basically think, well, what would I, you know, how would I like to receive this presentation? And how did that <laughs> come across? Uh, it, well, it, it went, it went pretty well. Um, mm-hmm. But what I noticed was that the, the slides that were being shown um, were really dry and dull and bullet, bullet pointy and PowerPointy. Mm-hmm. Um, and the person presenting, who's one of the co-directors of the company said a whole lot of other stuff that was far, far more interesting and much more colourful, much more emotive, much more human. Yeah. So when he'd finished, I said, well, what I suggest then is that I take some of what you've just said and actually put it into the slides themselves mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. then, you know, the slides could maybe stand on their own or other people could use them, which is the which is the, the whole idea of the exercise. So it's about getting – sometimes it's about giving people permission to actually use those words – and put them down on the page. You know, they they know they know how they would say. It. If you say to them, just just tell me what it is, just say it. Then they can just say it, but yeah. they don't connect that with writing or PowerPoint yeah. or whatever it is that they're trying to yeah. do. They won't actually use those words. Your role is just sometimes to give them permission. Absolutely. I often say, you know, when people ask me what I do, I often say. You know, my my job is actually quite easy as a copywriter. All I do is I talk to people and write down what they say. Because when someone tells you about their product or what they do or their strategy, it's so much more compelling than how it often ends up on the page or on the PowerPoint slide. It's like people go into sort of Shakespearean mode and, you know, they they have to sort of formalise everything. And, And I think that's absolutely right. If you just get them to speak, it's often much more compelling definitely and and there's this sense with powerpoint that it needs to be i mean you know powerpoint's got a very bad press yes um but actually some you know powerpoint slides can be very powerful and one of my academic clients has actually written a whole paper about this about how consultants use powerpoint right um and yeah it's all about the the quest for the perfect slide and how they um because consultants this is a classic case of what they do you know they they don't really bring any knowledge to the party often, management consultants, mm-hmm. they're just, um, well, the joke about 
them is that they use your watch to tell you the time and then walk <laughs> yes. off with the watch. Um, but what they are being more kind to them, they're kind of synthesizing knowledge from inside the organization yes. and repackaging it and reshaping it and then fitting it back in. But that's not without value. That can be really, really helpful. Yeah. Um, and power, you know, a good PowerPoint slide, especially an ideogram that shows you uh, concepts or relationships in a visual way. If you can create that in such a way that everybody looks at it and says, oh, yes, that's exactly it. You know, that's that's just the way things are. Yeah, that's really, really powerful. So, yeah, the the, the idea that you're just reflecting back and it has no value, there's, um, it's, it's just not true. Yeah. So do you see yourself almost as a, a consultant in that respect, rather than just a sort of word monkey? Well, I did actually try calling myself a consultant in the early days. Mm -hmm. and I always remember um, my dad said that you've got to be careful then with this sense that consultants don't do anything. Yes. Um, you know, it, it takes you too far away from a deliverable and an output. So yeah. um, I think if you can call yourself a con content consultant and get away with it and everybody thinks that that's somehow better than just a writer, then go ahead and do it. But, yeah, I, yeah I'd be concerned that you, you come across as someone who just kind of chats and doesn't really deliver anything. Yes, yeah. Maybe it's not so much about the label, but, but making sure that that consultancy is part of the, the practice, that you are providing ideas and testing things that the clients are, are suggesting. Well, yeah, I think that, that also goes to how you present your work and things like invoicing, doesn't it? You know, what do you put yes. on the invoice? Yeah. Do you put on the invoice, I've written your website? Mm -hmm. Or or do you put down the time that you spent in meetings and the time you spent yes. maybe thinking or, you know, the, the I mean, how you describe it is, is up to you. But, you know, you need to make the point that it's not just time spent with fingers on keyboard yeah. and in fact that might be quite a short stage at the very end of actually typing up the words the point is all the thinking that goes into it absolutely and i i do think that is the biggest part of being a copywriter is the thinking is this episode inspiring you to be a better writer if so, visit my blog, goodcopybadcopy.co.uk, for a wealth of writing tips and to claim your free copy of my ebook, The 200 Writing Tips That'll Get You Writing Like a Pro. And if you're enjoying the show, do remember to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen. Your support really means a lot to me because it helps get the show noticed. Now, back to the interview. You've, you've sort of made a bit of a name for yourself among other copywriters in the copywriting world. And I think one way you've done that is by sort of giving back to your fellow writers, to your to your industry. Um, and one way you did that was a few years ago, you co-founded the Professional Copywriters Network, a UK-based alliance for commercial writers, and it's gone on to become very successful. You um, handed over the reins to someone else uh, a year or two ago, but can you maybe tell me what prompted you to create the PCN, the Professional Copywriters Network? What what need did you see for it? What need was it fulfilling? And what can people get out of being a member of something like that? Yeah, sure. Well, in terms of the reason for it, the clues in the name, mm -hmm. uh, the original name, I should say, because that's now been shortened to just pro copywriters, right. which is a bit snappier. And, yeah. you know, we should have thought of that, but you can't go back. So, um, <laughs> yeah, 
um, professional copywriters network. So yeah, the start of what has now become pro copywriters was when myself and Ben Locker, the co-founder, started to receive um, some approaches from content mills um, to see if we would go and write for them for 3p a word or mm. 2p a word or, or mm. whatever it was I don't, I don't know but it was a it was quite a low rate mm-hmm. um, and we were concerned about this commodification of copywriting um, turning content into a, a commodity that you can just buy by the mm-hmm. yard I mean there's kind of a a consequence of the way um, SEO was going at that time, you know, the way Google was appraising sites and the fact yeah. that, you know, it, it wasn't really high-level content marketing as you would call it today, you know, in the sense of, you know, building a sales funnel. It was more a question of just shoveling a load of content onto your site. You know, you had to update it every day. You had to blog every day. <clears throat> you had to have articles linking to your site, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, we just were quite concerned that that was not, you know, making copywriting a profession. Well, you can argue whether it actually is a profession or not, but we felt that it was more of a profession than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also felt that there wasn't really that much for copywriters around, that, you know, there was quite a lot going on for designers, mm-hmm. um, you know, quite a number of professional bodies for them. But copywriters didn't really have um, something that they could join. There were things like um, 26 in the UK, which is a bit more on the creative side. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the, there's the NUJ. If you do journalism, you mm-hmm. can join them. Um, but there wasn't anything just for copywriters. And we thought, well, let's um, see if we can create it. And you went ahead and created it. And uh, there was obviously a bit of a thirst for what you had to offer. Do you want to talk me through what the benefits of being a member of, of that body are? Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's now changed slightly. When we started off, we built membership quickly by making it free to join. Um, It's now a paid membership, although it's still, it's not very much money. So it's almost no difference and it's definitely worth joining. I think the biggest thing is community. So you can get involved with um, PCN, sorry, pro copywriters online you can chat to them on Twitter. You can publish articles and get um, comments on there from other freelance copyright. I think it is mostly freelancers probably who join mm-hmm. um, and, you know, get a lot of professional support, networking support. So especially if you're just starting out, um, it really, well, I, I'd like to think it makes people realize that they're not alone. Mm-hmm. You know, they can join this community and they can see that other people are wrestling with the same problems as them all the classic freelance problems of getting work, um, setting prices, Mm -hmm. dealing with clients, but also all the things that go with copywriting specifically. So things like approval of the text, handling amends, you know, what what to do when people don't like it, Mm -hmm. um, pricing models, you know, uh, things like per word, per hour, per day, all those issues get talked about a lot. Um, and of course, there's the conference, the annual conference, which you can go to. Um, you obviously know about that because you featured in the yes. very first one, very yeah. kindly. Um, and it's now become, and this year it's at the Barbican Centre. So it's gone from quite a um, small scale amateurish thing when me and Ben were running it to, to a bit of a monster now. 
Well, that first one didn't strike me at all as as amateurish, but um, very kind. <laughs> it it sounds like it has has just gone from strength to strength. But uh, you you handed over the reins a few years ago. Was that just because it you needed to focus more on your actual paid work, or I mean, I could imagine something like that would be quite a commitment. It, it was quite a commitment. Um, ben had to step down because of uh, various personal issues. He decided he didn't want to be involved anymore. I didn't really get anyone else involved, which I probably should have done. And that is what Leif Kendall has now done, right. um, is involved members a lot more in the running of it. And I think that's taken the um, taken the weight off his shoulders yes. a bit. Yeah. Um, I didn't do that for better or worse. And yeah, it just got a bit too much for me. And in the end, I thought... Um, I don't think I want to do this anymore. And and I really did need to focus back on my own clients and just be a freelancer again, at least for a while. One of the things you mentioned about the need for an organisation like that was the feeling that we're very much alone and all doing our own little thing as copywriters, as, as freelancers. Do you do you ever feel alone, lonely? Do you or do you, do you like that sort of introverted space that being a, a copywriter allows you to occupy? Um, I am alone quite a lot of the time, but I'm never lonely. Mm-hmm. Um, I am an introvert. Um, I don't have a problem working on my own. Um, I didn't like office politics. Um, the whole business of having colleagues never really <laughs> appealed to me that much. Um, so, yeah, I'm totally happy working on my own. I think people struggle when they, you know, when they do like office life and they mm-hmm. like to have colleagues who are there all the time because you don't really get that I mean that the nearest you're going to get is a bit of banter on Twitter or LinkedIn or maybe a local networking group something like that but mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day you know writers work on their own so you're going to be on your own for quite a lot of the time but yeah for me it, that's absolutely perfect yeah same here and and sometimes I do look at my life and and then think that you know every, the vast majority of people are out there in offices and actually, we live a slightly strange life as freelance writers. Yeah, definitely. It, it is a weird existence. Because, I, I mean, I do see other human beings, you know, from day to day, mostly dog walkers and people like that. Yeah. But they've got absolutely no idea what I do. They've got no insight into my into my life. So, yeah. you know, work and normal, quote, normal life are just completely separate. Work just lives in this office where I'm sitting now and in a computer and it's yeah it's totally separate from life which is a bit strange but it's also quite nice isn't it to be able to just keep it in its box yeah. and not let it you know take things over yeah now although um your work life is as you say in your little box you you still manage to find time around client work to write a book about copywriting and i think this is another way you've sort of given back to the industry by sharing your expertise what what prompted you to do that? Good question. <laughs> um, well, there was a bit of a pro-copywriters-shaped hole in my life right. when I stopped doing it. I mean, it was great to see it carry on, but then there was also sort of slight regret of, oh, you know, that was a that was a really great thing to be involved with, and and now it's gone, and now I'm just a copywriter again. Um, and of course, we're all supposed to have a side hustle, aren't we? We're not supposed to just do client work all the time because that's boring and you should always have something else. <laughs> um, so I thought, well, maybe I can just, um, I'd always been quite keen on blogging. I'd done quite a lot of blogging mm-hmm. and I'd written a little ebook, um, which was just available for free. And I mm-hmm. thought, well, maybe I could do 
um, a longer ebook mm-hmm. and sell it on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can just kind of cobble together all my old blog posts and it won't take too long. Um, and then I started planning it out and then I thought, well, maybe I need to add this, I need to add that, I need to cover this, and I need to cover that. And it just grew and grew and grew. And in the end, I thought, no, this has got to be a proper book. Um, but in terms of what it's about, it's really the only book that I felt I could write at, at this stage anyway, because I'm a generalist copywriter. I'm mm-hmm. not specialized in any one aspect of copywriting, really. Um, and I'm pretty good at explaining things. So mm-hmm. I thought, well, maybe I can just do a really simple introduction to copy um, and try and make it truly universal because I think a lot of the books on copywriting, even though they're excellent, actually come from one particular tradition. So they come from direct marketing or they come from content marketing or they come from creative ad work. Yeah. Um, and that really comes through in, in how they're written. Yeah. And I think if you didn't know that, you might just get a slightly skewed view of, of what, you know, the whole of copywriting and all the different kinds of writing you could do. Yeah. So that was another thing I really wanted to do was make it, you know, agnostic in terms of channel and discipline as far as I could, because obviously, you know, I'm a specialist too, in a way, in terms of having done more B2B. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what I was aiming for anyway. Uh, it's interesting. I, I think your experience of copywriting overlaps with mine a lot. I, I, like, like you, I probably don't do all that, a lot of that traditional, you know, direct marketing. Um, I, I wouldn't call myself a content marketer. But there is that whole body of work that copywriters do that probably, like like you say, isn't, isn't acknowledged in the existing books on copywriting. Um, you know, all the B2B stuff. Um, so it's clearly met a, a need. Well, I, I hope so. And, and one thing that I really wanted to show was that anyone can do great copy so we all know about the you know the the classic copy examples you know they laughed when I sat down at the piano and the Guinness surfers ad and the economist ads and Mm -hmm. for mash get smash you know the Martians I mean you know there's loads of them and I've covered a lot of them in the book because you can still learn a lot from them but Mm -hmm. if you only look at those then it can make you despair a little bit because you think well I'm never going to get The Economist <laughs> as a client. You know, I'm never going to, you know, I think a lot of copywriters probably go their whole lives without writing for a brand that anyone's even heard of. Yeah. You know, if they're talking to somebody in the pub and they say, oh, who, who do you write copy for? And you say, Acme Rivets of Basingstoke yeah. or, you know, whoever your main client is. Yeah. But the point is that you can still do great copy, Yeah. you know, for, for anyone and in any channel, in any medium. So when I've when I've pulled together the examples for my book, some of them are just, you know, emails that I've got, just spam emails or leaflets that came through the door. And I thought, well, that's, that's really good. And there's no reason why people can't learn from that. Yeah. Actually, Tom, I should let you know that um, one, I mean, the bulk of my work these days is actually teaching people to write. And I do a lot of sort of business writing courses and I do um, an email writing course. And actually one of the emails that I show people as an example of a clear, concise, to the point email is an email that you once sent me. You probably don't even remember sending me the email, but there you go. 
So well, come on, remind me. Maybe it'll, <laughs> it'll it might it might come back to mind. Um, it was in an email sending me asking me if I would be interested in doing some teaching at a college in London. Uh, I think you weren't able to take the work, and you were saying maybe if I was interested in uh, in. Oh yeah, I know. I do. I do vaguely remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, and and it was like five sentences long and just perfectly structured. And it's just a really good example of a clear, polite email where the action is very, very clear. So,、um, yeah, I hope you don't mind me using your intellectual property in that way. <laughs> Not at all. No, we, we'll we'll talk about the fee afterwards when the interview's <laughs> over. Actually, in that case, I think I, I do have a vague memory of drafting that. I mean, all my memories are vague these days, but I'm sure there was another version of that email where I just sort of splurged and, and did loads and loads and loads of rubbish. And I think there was, you know, all stuff about me in there and what I'd been doing、uh-huh. and how I'd got this approach, and you know, just just all rubbish that nobody needed to know. And then I just deleted all that and thought, no. What do what do the recipients of this email actually need to know? And just wrote it like that. So、um, it's a shame I can't go back and get that other version. But that would be even more instructive. That、exactly. you could then say, "This is what your first version is going to look like. Yeah. This is how it needs to end up." Yeah. Oh, if you could, you know, retroactively create that for me,、um, you know, that would be great. And then I can I can show that in my classes as well. I'll see what I can do. <laughs>、um, so you've written this book. While I've got you on the line,、um, can you give me your best copywriting tip from the book that you could give to anyone who's I don't know either someone who's sitting down to write their own copy to promote their own business or someone who wants to become a copywriter? What What would be your best tip? Um. Well, in the book, I start off with the metaphor of a bridge. For、mm. copywriting, so the copywriter is on one side, the reader is on the other, and the copywriter wants to get the reader to cross the bridge.、Um, and I think the most important thing is to see that relationship from the reader's side. So see things from the reader's side of the bridge、um, rather than your own.、Mm-hmm. So putting yourself in the shoes of the reader always, thinking about what are they, what are their concerns, what do they want. What do they not want? What are they thinking about? Also, things like what situation will they be in when they read this?、Mm-hmm. Um, how will they feel when they read these words that I've written? How would I feel if I was sent something like mm-hmm. this? Mm-hmm.、Um, always thinking reader first. I think、mm-hmm. if you can do that, sounds very simple. It sounds like a, I mean, it, it is simple, but simple isn't the same thing as easy. Yeah. Um, and it's something that's quite hard to do consistently. It takes、um, takes a lot of concentration. It takes a lot of discipline to be thinking that way all the time.、Mm-hmm. Um, and in a client freelancer situation, it can sometimes take、um, quite a lot of skill and diplomacy to get the client to think、yes. that way as well.、Yeah. Um, but it's something that you really have to do,、um, especially when. Clients are trying to make the copy too much about them, or trying to say too much, trying to say things that they think are important. You know, you've just got to keep coming back to this focus on the reader's side of things. How do they see things?、Uh, what do they want? Yep, yep. It's all about the reader. Absolutely. Well, Tom, it's been great、um, chatting to you. Before I let you go, I have、um, a quick fire round where I just talk to people about their sort of writing process and their approach to writing. So,、um, are you game? 
Yeah, I'll give it a go. Great. So, first of all, what fuels your writing? Coffee, tea, or something stronger? Coffee. Okay. Sometimes something stronger in the evening, but it's very much a case of write drunk, edit sober. Yep, yep. Good old Hemingway. Yep. Uh, so, on a related topic, uh, when do you like to write? Are you a lark or an owl? Um... I am a lark, um, yeah, very much so, although those, the lark hours get taken up by the dog these days, which is a bit irritating. Right. Um, but I've found when I've been able to just get up and write straight away, it is quite remarkable how how much better that is than me in the evening. So, yeah, like three times as good, so definitely a lark. Um, I think you've touched on this, but I, I shall ask you to maybe elaborate. Are you a planner or a plunger? Do you draft a detailed outline or do you dive right in? Yeah, I'm a plunger. Um, and it's a case of um, do as I say, not as I do there, really, because in the book I do say to plan out mm. your copy. Mm. Um, but I find it, I think because I came from editing, I find it very, very hard not to start finessing words and phrases and mm. I can't really get past that um so for better or worse I find myself just plunging in and and just doing doing a bit but the only the only thing I'd say about that is if you're going to plunge then plunge in the middle and right. do the meat of the copy and don't try and write the introduction first because that really is death if you start trying to write the first line first yes uh, it's absolutely impossible so yeah. Uh, you know, if your head's full of details and the things you want to say, then, you know, by all means, get them out and don't worry about the start and the end. Do those later. Great advice. Um, would you describe your desk as clear or cluttered? Uh, I'm looking at it right now. I can't honestly say that it's clear, so I think we'll have to go cluttered. OK. Um, music or silence? Um, I'd love it to be music, but... It really has to be silence, I find, to, to concentrate properly. And I certainly can't have any um, music with lyrics. Or, I mean, songs with lyrics, that's mm. um, that's far too. Or maybe some gentle classical or ambient sometimes. Mm. But I quite often find myself just switching it off and having to concentrate. So probably silence. Okay. Uh, and who is your favourite writer and why? Um, I'm going to choose Douglas Adams who wrote okay. The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Mm -hmm. So not a marketing writer as such, um, but I think if you read his stuff, you will really learn a lot about how to put together a really tight, powerful, um, energetic piece of prose that really pulls the reader along. Uh, distinctive tone of voice, always, of course. Mm -hmm. um, and in terms of uh, the attention to detail to put in, apparently... He would type everything out on a manual typewriter. And if he made a single mistake on any page, he would go back and do that entire page again. Oh my, that doesn't sound very efficient. <laughs> Not very efficient, but I think, you know, it really does speak to an incredible attention to detail. Yeah. And you can really feel that when you read his prose. You feel mm -hmm. like he's really really sweated over it. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not, not going to compare myself to him because he was a genius. <laughs> but when I was working on my book, what I wanted to get to was a stage where I could read it through from beginning to end and not want to make a single change. Yes. Um, and I think that's probably what copywriters aim for with short copy. And I tried to do that with long copy or you know, an entire book, which is a bit tortuous. But uh, that that, that's exhausting. always what I aim for. 
Finally, um, you've already uh, talked a lot about always focusing on the reader, but can you just sum up with one final writing tip? Yeah, absolutely. I would say um, talk to your reader. Mm. So that means um, write in a conversational style. Mm -hmm. um, use the words that you might use in speech, or mm -hmm. as we were saying earlier, use the words that the client uses when they talk. Mm -hmm. um, and also, as an extension of that, try writing for someone who you actually know. Mm -hmm. um, so rather than just kind of writing in the abstract into the ether um, or writing for a persona, mm -hmm. um, they, they can be a bit of a red herring sometimes because mm -hmm. they're not actually real people. Actually write it to um, your best friend or your sibling or your parent or um, a colleague that you respect or someone like that someone who you really value the relationship with them um, and just think, well, okay, if I had to explain this to this person while we were in the pub or having a coffee or getting ready to go out or something like that, what would, what would I say to them? And I think that will really help you avoid a lot of the pitfalls of um, bad copy. So you'll get straight to the point. You won't mess about. You won't use any fancy language that they don't understand. You won't waste time trying to impress them. Um, you don't really need to do that because you already know them. You just need to get your message across in a way that will actually interest them and respect them and uh, hold their attention. And that's what copywriting is all about. Great advice. Tom, it's been great thank chatting you. to you today. Um, thank you so much for uh, giving me your time and offering such a fantastic advice and value-packed content. Um, no problem. Thanks for having me. It's been great. Thank you. Thanks very much. If you enjoyed the show, remember to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher or wherever you listen. And if you could leave a review while you're there, that would really help me get the show noticed. As ever, visit goodcopybadcopy.co.uk for free tips and advice on writing and the writing life. Until the next episode, bye from me.